Welcome to the First Player Token Podcast, a short podcast for folks who enjoy playing board games with family and friends. I'm your host, Derek Bruff. In this episode, I have another family board game recommendation, Forbidden Island. Forbidden Island, published in 2010 by GameRight, is a cooperative game where the players work together to explore a mysterious island, find its treasures, and escape before the island floods. If you're successful, then everybody wins. If not, well, in my house, we usually want to play again to see if we can beat the game. I never played a cooperative board game when I was a kid, but I wish I had. Instead of competing with your dad or your brother, you're helping each other out, working together to beat the game. No one gets their feelings hurt when they lose, everyone gets to celebrate when they win, and there's some bonding that happens when you're helping each other face a tough challenge. Forbidden Island is a great introduction to the world of cooperative games. How does a cooperative game work? Well, in Forbidden Island, you start by setting up the board, which isn't really a board, but instead a set of 24 tiles with beautiful illustrations from artist C.B. Kenga. Each tile represents a location on the island Locations like the Crimson Forest, the Cave of Shadows, the Dunes of Deception, and the Watchtower. The illustrations are evocative, giving the game an Indiana Jones or Jumanji vibe. Each player has a wooden pawn in a different color, and as you play the game, you move your pawn around the island tiles, taking three actions per turn, like moving from one tile to another. At the end of your turn, you draw two cards from the treasure deck. The cards in this deck represent one of four different treasures you're working together to find. The Earthstone, the Statue of the Wind, the Crystal of Fire, and the Ocean's Chalice. The game comes with little figurines representing each of these treasures, and I will guarantee your kids will pick these up and fiddle with them during the game because they are awesome. To capture one of the treasures, you need to have four cards showing that treasure, and your pawn needs to be in one of the two special locations on the island corresponding to that treasure. The four cards have to be held by the same player, so part of the strategy of the game is moving around the island and trading treasure cards with other players so everyone can pursue a different treasure. The other thing you do at the end of your turn is flip over two or more cards from the Flood deck. Each of these cards represents one of the 24 locations around the island. Each of the tiles that makes up the island has two sides. One side is in full color, but the other is monochromatic blue. When a tile's card gets revealed from the flood deck, you flip the tile over to its blue side to show that the location is now flooded. And if its card gets revealed a second time, the tile is removed from the game because that location has now sunk into the abyss. And remember, you have to reveal cards from the flood deck at the end of each player's turn, which means you're racing against the clock to capture the island's treasures before the island vanishes. This brings me to the final action you can take on your turn. You can shore up a flooded tile that your pawn is on, or one that's adjacent to it. This means that you're running around the island not only to capture those treasures, but also to deal with all the flooding. These days, when I play Forbidden Island, I'm reminded of the time in 2019 when our basement flooded and our family formed a bucket brigade. We kept bailing water, but the water kept coming in. In Forbidden Island, You can't install a sump pump to keep the island dry, but you can work together to shore up enough tiles long enough to find your treasure, and all escape on a helicopter. That helicopter, by the way, is how you got to the island 
and you parked it on a location called Fool's Landing. That should have been your first clue that this wasn't going to be a vacation. If you and your team manage to capture all four treasures and make it back to Fool's Landing, everybody wins! And man, it is a satisfying feeling to imagine your team flying away from a rapidly flooding island like your Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler at the end of Jurassic Park. But that's if you win, and there are lots of ways to lose Forbidden Island. If Fool's Landing sinks, then you're done. If the two special locations for any of the treasures you haven't captured yet sink, then you're done. If any player is on a tile that sinks and there's no adjacent tile to swim to, then you're done. And if the water level reaches the skull and crossbones at the top of the water level indicator, well, yes, you're also done. See, I didn't mention one very important thing. Sometimes when you draw a treasure card, it's not a treasure. It's a card that says, Waters Rise. When you draw on one of these, the water level goes up, which increases how many cards you draw from the flood deck each turn. And, to make matters worse, you shuffle all the flood cards you've seen so far and put them back on top of the flood deck. This means that all those locations that are flooded that you haven't shored up are more likely to be revealed and thus sunk. It is a terrible feeling when you turn over a Waters Rise card because you know the game has just gotten that much harder. The flooding mechanic makes for some tense moments, and winning the game, especially at the higher difficulty levels, requires careful strategic thinking, as well as a bit of luck. The game is tense. You never quite seem to have enough actions on your turn to do all the things you want to do, and the Waters Rise cards keep ratcheting up the danger. But once you've captured one or more of the treasures, managing those treasure cards gets a little easier, so you actually feel a little more capable, just as the game is getting harder. I really like that feeling in a cooperative game. Also, each player has a special skill randomly assigned at the start of the game. The diver can travel through flooded areas, the engineer can shore up two tiles at once, and the pilot can travel anywhere on the island in a single move. This helps motivate you to work together and every player has a chance to shine during the game. Forbidden Island is rated for ages 10 and up, but I've played it with kids as young as 6. It's cooperative, so younger players can jump in, with older players helping them learn and strategize as they go. That said, be careful that no one, including you, becomes the alpha player, bossing everyone else around. Better to lose as a team than win with hurt feelings. Forbidden Island handles 2-4 to four players, but it's probably better with three or four, and it plays in about 30 minutes. It's a fun introduction to cooperative games, and if your family likes it, there are plenty more from the designer of Forbidden Island, Matt Leacock. He's designed two sequels, Forbidden Desert and Forbidden Sky, which actually has a little rocket that lights up when you win the game, as well as the wildly popular cooperative game Pandemic. My family never took to Pandemic, but we really love Forbidden Island. That's it for this episode of the First Player Token Podcast. See the show notes for a link to my website, where you can find past episodes, see photos of Forbidden Island, and find me on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have a minute, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. I've been your host, Derek Breff. Thanks for listening. Now it's time to play some games. <laughs>